Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Scott Knuckles with The Untold Story. Thank you for joining me. I hope today's message will drive you to a greater faith, a more lasting hope, and a deeper love for others and yourself. I'm reminded of the quote by Thomas Edison. He said, Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Let's get started with today's podcast. One of my favorite quotes is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. It says, Who you are thunders so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. That's worth repeating, isn't it? Who you are thunders so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. I'd like to start today's podcast with a story. There once was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, I want right now what is coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant land. There, undisciplined and living a life of indulgence in every manner of sensual pleasure, he wasted everything his father had given him. After he was broke, there was a bad famine throughout that country, and he began to struggle. He ended up taking a job tending fields and feeding slop to the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him anything. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as an employee. At that moment, he started on the journey home to his father. If you've never heard that story, it was told by Jesus. He shared this story to a group of people who thought they were less than. In that day, society had cast them out. Tax collectors, prostitutes, You name it, there was no forgiveness or acceptance for them. The title of today's podcast is When God Ran. How many of you have ever heard the word asterisk? For many years, I didn't realize that I was pronouncing this word incorrectly. Most people call it asterisk, but it's actually asterisk. And it's important to know what the asterisk is. It's a small star-like symbol you can find on a keyboard. It's used to denote any factor or element that makes an otherwise outstanding achievement somewhat doubtful or less impressive. The slang definition for the word asterisk is that it's a typographical symbol used to denote that something is total bull. The pitfalls of an asterisk 
are that it tends to go ahead of you, it tends to follow you, and it tends to impact you, and ultimately, it can define you. The asterisk tends to denote something that needs further clarification. Now, I've found two types of asterisk that impact you and me. The first one is what we call the self-inflicted asterisk. I don't know if you've seen the latest on Jeffrey Epstein, but you find a depraved person that has gotten away with unspeakable atrocities before his luck finally ran out. In many circles, he had a storied career, but now he has a big asterisk next to his name. The other type of asterisk is the one that others place on you, whether it be society, work, family, church, something that others place on you that you carry with you. Let's talk about examples of the self-inflicted asterisk. How many of you remember when Roger Maris held the single-season home run record for 37 years before it was broken by Mark McGuire? Even though Mark McGuire would go down in history as breaking that record, he now has an asterisk by his name forever. Why? Due to him admitting and being accused of using steroids to help further his baseball career. Now, unfortunately for him, his record didn't stand long. It was later broken by Barry Bonds. And what about Bill Cosby? How many of you remember America's Dad? His show was such a huge hit in the 80s that nearly every family in America tuned in to watch. He was a renowned comedian, highly sought after. However, in 2015, an asterisk began to appear. It is alleged that he abused scores of women throughout his career. We could talk about Lance Armstrong, the famed cyclist that won the Tour de France a record seven times, and what? He was caught in a doping scandal. And what about Richard Nixon? His name is synonymous with Watergate because he bugged the offices of his political opponents, despite the fact that he would have been easily elected. He decided that he needed an advantage, something more to help his cause, and broke the law and was removed from office. Wouldn't you agree with me we don't have to look hard to come up with a number of examples? That got me thinking, what is my first asterisk? Well, it was in the spring of 1974 when I was five years old. My brother and I are considered Irish twins because we were born nine months apart, which means we were both in kindergarten together. In the morning before school, it was a beautiful day. The sun was shining, and I can remember details of that day so vividly. 
It's probably because I have played the story over and over again in my mind. See, my brother was down at the kitchen table and I had just found a book of matches. I said to my brother, wow, look what I found. Do you want to come and light some matches with me? He quickly dismissed me out of hand and I was off to play by myself. While upstairs, I looked for any thread or any small thing that I could burn away. I must admit, though, I had the hardest time getting anything to light. But as young boys do, I continued to persevere. I looked down and I thought to myself, I wonder if carpet burns. So I tried several times and after leaving several burn marks, I just couldn't get it to catch fire. Next, I wanted to see if my toys could burn. And to no avail, none of them could I catch on fire either. Next, I was just about to give up with one match left when out of the corner of my eye, I saw a thread hanging from my parents' curtains. I rushed over to see if I could burn away the thread. After all, I thought to myself that could be a useful purpose. Little did I know that that one thread would change my family forever. As I lit the match and held it up to the thread, it lit instantly and quickly moved up the curtain. Before I knew it, the curtains were in a blaze. I said to myself, oh no, and thought, what am I going to do? With my father in the living room and my brother at the kitchen table, that five-year-old little boy began to panic. I immediately ripped the curtain down and drug it to my room and draped it over my large toy box and shut the lid on it, hoping that that would be enough to put the fire out. With a few small burns on my hand, I quickly ran out of my room and made my way downstairs and told my brother that the house was on fire. He said, you're lying. I said, no, 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 I'm not. He said it again and I repeated myself. This time he jumped up and said, I'm telling dad. I said, no, please don't tell dad. Please do not tell him. But he was already on his way before I could blink an eye. My father, he did what any father would do. He scooped us up and ran outside to the neighbor's house. I looked back at our house and saw smoke rising above it. Within minutes, I watched in horror as the house my parents scraped and saved for turned into a blaze. Thankfully, no one was hurt that day. However, my life and my family's life would be disrupted for quite some time, and every photo and important paper had been burned. Even at five years old, I wanted to tell my parents what I had done, but I was too embarrassed and ashamed. I couldn't imagine the damage I caused. Even at that age, I knew what I did was wrong and couldn't bear to tell them how foolish and horrible I had been. 
I wanted to take it all back, but there was no way to fix it. Little did I know things would get worse before they got better. Two of my brothers hatched a scheme to blackmail me. Yes, blackmail me. For months, I was their personal assistant, and I lived in constant fear that my secret would be told. Each day, they threatened to tell my parents what I had done. The fire department ruled that it was faulty wiring that caused the fire. But my two brothers and I knew something very different. For me, the asterisk was now firmly in place. As a small child, I thought to myself, I can never really fix this. I would think about that decision nearly every day when I was young. And as I got older, it would still haunt me from time to time. That fateful decision made me feel less than. It made me feel unworthy. It made me feel differently than my siblings and with all of my friends. I had done something no one else would ever do. One day after we moved into the newly rebuilt house, my parents called me downstairs to the kitchen and asked me to sit down. With a lump in my throat and a rapid heartbeat, I began to sob uncontrollably. I knew that the day of reckoning would come. My parents said, We're going to ask you a question and we don't want you to lie. Scott, did you catch this house on fire? I couldn't talk, but with a nod of my head, I gave them the answer they needed. See, for all of the blackmail, the pain, the hurt, the guilt, and the frustration I felt, my parents said in one voice, Do you realize the seriousness of playing with matches? The now six-year-old nodded his head while still sobbing uncontrollably. My parents simply said, Good, go back and play with your brothers. At that moment, I felt as if the weight of the world had been lifted from my shoulders. My accusers now had no power over me, and my parents had let me know that I was accepted regardless of what I had done, and they never brought it up after that day. At six years old, I learned a valuable lesson about freedom and forgiveness. A freedom I will never forget, a gift that I still treasure, and one in which I could never repay for an act I couldn't undo. This father of mine, who could be so tough, never spoke a word of it again. He never addressed the hardship caused by my actions. And if my brothers brought it up, he would end the conversation immediately. For me, in that one moment, 
I was up from that chair and off to play. A joy that can only come through freedom. There's a story in the Bible about a woman who was caught in adultery. I'm always moved by it when I read it. To be caught doing something in those days, you needed two witnesses to come forward. Somehow, in this story, we only see one person being accused. Her male counterpart was not present. And the religious leaders of the day, they wanted to make an example, so they dragged her before all the people to put her to death. Their hearts were so hard and callous that they wanted the crowd, yes, the crowd, to stone her to death. They run to Jesus and say to him, Teacher, the law says that she should be put to death. But what do you say? I find his response interesting because he didn't address the woman who committed the offense. He addressed the accusers first. The Bible says something very curious that he actually bent down and started writing on the ground. Many scholars believe that Jesus was writing the sins that the men had committed who accused her. And once he had done that, he said to the accusers, Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Now it was time for Jesus to address the woman. He does something so beautifully. He says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She says to him, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Isn't this a beautiful act of grace? He didn't focus on her past. He focused on her future. He said, go. Go and sin no more. It's an amazing story that we see of mercy and grace from one who never sinned, speaking to a whole group of people All of us fit that bill who sinned. And his response is, I'm not going to dwell on your past. I'm not going to make you feel bad about what you've done. I'm not going to tell you what the rules are and how all these things work. Go, go and sin no more. Now, I want to bring us back to the prodigal son, the untold story of the prodigal son. What you may not know is that this story is anchored by two other stories. See, this message is so important that Jesus tethered three stories together to make sure that we completely understand God's heart. The first story is about a lost sheep a shepherd who has a hundred sheep 
and one of them turns up missing. And Jesus says, wouldn't you leave the 99 and keep searching until you find it? And when you find it, wouldn't you drape it over your shoulders, filled with happiness, and go back home and celebrate? The second story talks about a lost coin. How many of you have ever lost something you really liked, and when you found it, you were overjoyed? It's as if you have more joy over finding it than you actually did when you bought it the first time. I can tell you that's happened to me, and that's how I feel, because something lost that's found again is just sweet, right? It just feels great. The parable of the lost coin is about a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Jesus says, will she not search the whole house looking for that coin? She will look in every nook and cranny, and when she finds it, you can be sure that she will tell everyone to celebrate with her. And yes, that leads us into the final story, and yet the most profound one. As if to underscore, right? As if to underscore or overemphasize this, these three stories, he goes over the top. How did the father treat his son that had taken the inheritance, ran off, and blew every dime of it? How would this father receive him? Well, let's listen. It says, when the son was still a long way off, his father saw him in the distance. The father's heart pounding, he ran out, embraced his son, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening to that. He was calling to his servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get an animal and roast it. We are going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead, and now is alive. He was given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, though, his older brother was out in the field, and when the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked, What's going on? He told him, Your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast because he has him home safe and sound. The elder brother, though, he stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, Look, how many years I have stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? 
Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money on whores shows up and you go all out with a feast. His father said, Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. Let me ask you, what do you see emerging in this story? What struck me is that the story is more about the father than the prodigal son. You might be asking, why do you say that? Because in these three stories woven together, we get a window into the heart of our true Heavenly Father. These stories illustrate that God wants to be known as one who rescues. I got to say that again. God wants to be known as one who rescues. These stories illustrate how far he's willing to go to forgive us, rescue us, and give his all to pull us back to him again. Maybe you feel your life has been defined by one asterisk after another. I'd ask you, what have you done that is far worse than this prodigal son that asked his father for his inheritance while he was still alive and then spent every dime of it? What have you done that is worse than a famous king who loved God with all of his heart, had an affair, and then covered it up and had the woman's husband sent to the front lines where he was killed. What have you done that is worse than the Apostle Paul when he persecuted innocent Christians because of their faith? What have you done that is so bad that you must continue to relive it and be held back by it? I started with a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. It says, Who you are thunders so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. It's what the Father did that blows me away. He ran. He ran to his son, which means he was looking every day for him. He ran with his heart pounding and his eyes filled with tears of joy. He ran. He ran with outstretched arms to hug his son, regardless of what he had done. He ran and threw a party to celebrate a son that was once lost, but now is found. Perhaps you are like me and you let yourself be defined by the asterisk. We must not be like the child that burned his parents' house down and lived with blackmail, guilt, 
pain and rejection. That little boy avoided his mom and dad because he was filled with fear that he would be found out. But we must be like the prodigal son because he came to his senses and made the decision to come back to his father. Maybe you've been in the wilderness for so long you can't seem to find your way out. You're saying, you don't know that I keep making the same dumb decisions over and over again. How can God forgive me? You know what your heavenly father is saying. Come home. You know what he is saying. Don't you realize I know the number of hairs on your head? I know what you're thinking even before you speak it. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Anthony Robbins said, It is your decisions and not your circumstances that define your destiny. It's your decisions and not your circumstances that define your destiny. Your decision today can and will determine your future. Think about the three stories we just talked about. He first left the 99 to chase after you. You are the valuable coin that he looked for until he found it and then celebrated it. And you are the prodigal son that he ran to and cried over. Isn't it time to release that shame to the father and run to him? The father would say, release all of it to me. There is no end to my love. I will never stop pursuing you. I have created you for a purpose and nothing can separate you from my love. I said, come to me, all ye that are burdened, tired and troubled, and I will give you rest. I said in my word, I came to give you life, not just any life, but a full life. I said that my mercies are new for you every morning. Great is my faithfulness toward you. I said, I will throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. But we have to bring it all to him. It's one thing to learn from the past. It's quite another to live in it and to relive it over and over again. Today, we are to say so long to shame and guilt and those struggles we keep having over and over and over again. The Bible says, where can you run from my presence? Nowhere. Where can you flee from me? Nowhere. If you were in the lowest valley, I am there. If you ascend to the highest mountain, you will find me there. There is no ending to the Father's love. His word says, I am the Father of mercy. 
I am the God of all comfort, the God of all compassion, who comforts us in all our troubles. But we are to come to him. He sent his son Jesus to pay the ultimate price so we wouldn't live under the weight of guilt and shame. It's in him that we find the peace, forgiveness, love, and acceptance we are searching for. I'd like to close this podcast in prayer. Oh, loving and merciful and gracious Father, to all who hear this podcast, would you touch? If there are struggles, if there's guilt, if there's shame, would you remove it even now? You said your mercies are new every morning. Father, I pray for new mercies, new beginnings, new opportunities. And for those who are hearing this podcast that are separated from you, draw them back, Lord. Jesus, bring salvation today to the hearts and lives of those that hear this message in the name that is above every name and then the only name that can truly save, and the only name that can truly deliver, Jesus. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast. Would you take a moment and provide a rating, subscribe, and consider sharing this message of encouragement with others? You can also visit us on scottknuckles.com to get more information. Until next time, blessings.